get the unmissable news stories of the day. This is the Beijing Hour. Examining the events that impact and shape China and the rest of the world. This is the Beijing Hour, one hour of news and information brought to you every weekday. Now here's your host. Shane Begum with you on this Tuesday, February the 6th, 2024. You're listening to the Beijing Hour, coming to you live from the Chinese capital. On today's program, the Chinese and Norwegian foreign ministers have held talks in Beijing, touching on issues including multilateralism and free trade. The U.S. Secretary of State's in the Middle East for the fifth time since the start of the current conflict in Gaza. And forest fires uh, in Chile have destroyed entire neighborhoods and killed at least 120 people. In business, global manufacturing activity edged up in January. In sports, a Chinese diver captures her first individual title at the World Aquatics Championships. In culture and entertainment, Spring Festival in New York City. Now check in the day's top stories. Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi's held talks with his Norwegian counterpart Espen Barth-Ida in Beijing. They both vowed to safeguard multilateralism and free trade. Uh, it is in the, or is the first European foreign minister to visit China in 2024. This year also marks the 70th anniversary of the establishment of diplomatic ties between China and Norway. Dong Shui has details. China and Norway have agreed to deepen cooperation in various fields as this year marks the 70th anniversary of the establishment of diplomatic ties. Both sides reached the agreement while Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi met with his Norwegian counterpart Espen Bart Ida in Beijing. Wang Yi told Ida it was a reflection of the high significance that Norway placed on bilateral relations by him becoming the first foreign minister from a European country to visit China in 2024. Despite the differences of their political models, one said China and Norway should continue open communications and to promote pragmatic cooperation to contribute more certainty and stability to the world. Foreign Minister Ida said the relations between China and Norway were mature, and 70 years of diplomatic relations are very important for Norway, and he's looking forward to many opportunities to celebrate that now and throughout this year. He said Norway firmly supports the One China policy and hopes to push forward for greater development of bilateral ties. It also said that Norway is all for opening markets and willing to collaborate with China in the face of international challenges. Foreign Minister Ed has also raised the issues of climate change and the situation in the Middle East. He emphasized that the 70 years of diplomatic relations are important for Norway, and he hoped to continue to improve the bilateral ties. That was Dong Shui on the meeting between the Chinese and Norwegian foreign ministers. Well, meantime, senior official Liu Jianchao also held talks with Ida in Beijing. The head of the International Department of the Communist Party of China's Central Committee exchanged views with the Norwegian diplomat on strengthening inter-party interactions and deepening mutually beneficial cooperation. China's 40-day Spring Festival travel rush is well underway. The world's largest annual human migration will see hundreds of millions of people return home to reunite with their families. This year, trips made during the season may hit a record high of 9 billion, including 480 million railway journeys. Uh, managing the transportation network uh, needs uh, needs of such a vast population poses a formidable challenge for railway staff. Now it's even harder as the recent tourism boom 
boom in China sparks a surge in tourists. For a deeper look into this bustling scenario, Zheng Tao followed a bullet train driver on the Beijing-Harbin route to find out what's behind the scenes. Now it's 5.30 a.m. and it's completely dark outside and it's freezing cold. I'm extremely drowsy as well. Today I have a special mission that is following a bullet train driver to find out what exactly a bullet train driver normally does during the spring travel rush. Chong Longyang became a train driver over 10 years ago. In early 2021, he drove the first train as the high-speed railway linking Beijing and Harbin in northeast China started service. Over the past years, it's usual for him to spend the spring festival driving a train. Hours before our journey, we met at a place where we could uncover the secrets of how bully trains are kept in good shape. And here I am at a vast empty place where I can see rows of train trucks laying on the ground. I don't know about you, but this is the first time for me to be here in this so-called bully train station. I used to think that bully trains are supposed to park somewhere next to the train station, but actually this place, known as bully train station, is around 10 kilometers away from the train station. So what exactly is this place? Every night, the bullet trains are rolling here for maintenance. The drivers take them out of the station early the next morning and bring them back here after their shift. During our conversation, Tong emphasized the safety several times, something people call the essence of a train driver's life. For such a Colossus capable of speeds of up to 300 kilometers per hour, even its driver feels a sense of awe. The train we're going to ride today is scheduled to leave Beijing at around um, 8 a.m. And bullet train drivers need to be on duty two hours earlier. Before departure, bullet train drivers are required to take a number of tests uh, in order to ensure that all the passengers are in safe hands. For bullet train drivers, getting familiar with the day's weather is one of the first tasks to kick off their work. Bullet trains run on power from the cable above. If a strong wind blows objects onto the cable, it can disrupt the connection, which is really risky. That's why bullet train drivers have to stay super focused while they are driving. The bullet train is on its way to Shenyang, located halfway between Beijing and Harbin. With this high-speed route put in service three years ago, the travel time between Beijing and Shenyang has been halved from five hours to around two and a half. To ensure safe operation, drivers spend around 20 minutes checking and testing all the equipment before departure. Once we've finished all the tests, we will let our colleagues at the station know, and then we will start moving the train out slowly at the speed of five kilometers per hour. A safe, smooth, and comfortable train ride requires coordination among drivers, attendants, and maintenance workers. For them, the annual spring festival travel season means more shifts, longer work time, and heavier workload than usual. This year, Cong Longyang and his workmates are facing more pressure. 
Besides returning migrants, there is also a notable surge in tourists after Northeast China became a popular destination this winter. I'm from Zhongshan, Guangdong province. I've brought my kid along. We've already visited the Palace Museum and the Great Wall in Beijing, and we're planning to see the Imperial Palace in Shenyang. We come to Harbin at least twice a year, once in winter and then in summer. The scenes are different, but equally beautiful. Meng Chi, with over 10 years of work experience, is an attendant on Chongyang's train. She says the rise in passenger flow is evident, and they are ready to embrace it. Compared to last year, we're seeing a much bigger crowd of passengers. Spurred by the Spring Festival travel rush, there is also a huge increase in trans-regional travelers. After three years of disruptions due to the COVID-19 pandemic, the current passenger traffic is at a record high. At Shenyang Station, Longyang hands over his train to the next driver. Because of the demanding nature of their work, high-speed train drivers must take a break every four hours. When I bumped into him again on the return trip, he looks refreshed. I'm pretty worn out after finishing my shift, but I'm in good spirits. There's this sense of fulfillment knowing I've safely transported all these passengers to their destinations. I'm from Heilongjiang province, and I'm genuinely happy to help people get back home safe and sound. The number of trips made during this year's Spring Festival travel rush is estimated to be twice as many as last year. It's because of the sacrifices by railway workers like Tong Longyang and Meng Chi that migrants and tourists can enjoy a nice trip. That's what people call the greatness of an ordinary job. For the Beijing R, this is Jiang Tao. Heavy snow and low temperatures continue to plague large swaths of central and eastern China. The National Meteorological Center has renewed a yellow alert for freezing weather, as well as a blue warning for a blizzard. Dozens of highway toll stations have shut down due to intense snowfall in provinces including Henan, Hubei, Anhui, Jiangsu, and uh, Shandong. Weather authorities say rain and snow will continue in southern parts of the country until Wednesday. Freezing rain is also expected to continue continue in most parts of Hunan and southeastern Hubei. Meantime, the central Chinese city of Wuhan has been experiencing freezing rain and heavy snow since Saturday morning, causing disruptions to life and transport services. With more on that, we're joined by Huang Yicheng. I'm currently at Wuhan's Hankou Railway Station. The widespread freezing weather continues to affect the, uh, the city. And outside of the station, the snow is still falling heavily. At the moment, due to the weather conditions, some trains within Hubei province and some of those traveling outside of the province have been uh, suspended, according to the authorities, as of 8 o'clock in the morning, over 130 trains have been suspended, and a large number of trips have uh, are facing delays. So to ease the pressure on passengers waiting inside the station, a timed entry system has been implemented, so that's why some people can be seen waiting outside of the uh, main entrance building. Inside the hall of the railway station, uh, we can see an additional team of 150 members, including many volunteers, to provide support to those passengers waiting in 
uh, the waiting areas and uh, 15 additional tickets window also open for refunds and change services. Despite the inconvenience uh, ahead of the, the spring festival, passengers are always showing their patience and understanding of the extended waiting time. The, the Wuhan Railway has also mobilized nearly 3,000 personnel to in the, op the operation of the snow removal uh, operations. Uh, I was told that many of the flights have also been cancelled. And in addition to the railway and airport, it also remains a big concern for expressways. So various emergency operation vehicles have been dispatched to address the situation. And personnel from transportation departments are also actively guiding traffic and delivering emergency supplies to vehicles on stranded on the expressways and uh, many volunteers have also been actively participating to provide as much support as they can. That was Huang Yichang in Wuhan. In Anhui province, continued snowfall and cold weather have led to icy roads and downed power lines in several cities. Authorities have activated emergency responses to ensure traffic safety and power supply. China's disaster relief department say the strongest period of widespread rain and snow has passed in central and eastern regions, but they're maintaining emergency responses for low temperatures in Anhui, Hubei, Hunan, and uh, other provinces as well. Uh, they have also allocated disaster relief supplies, including over 20,000 quilts to Hunan province. Coming up, the U.S. Secretary of State is back in the Middle East for another round of talks on the Gaza conflict. Dive into news like never before with Deep Dive, the podcast from CGTN Radio. Join our global reporters for captivating stories and thought-provoking conversations. Search Deep Dive on your favorite podcast platforms and get ready to dive in. 14 minutes past the hour. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken's on his fifth visit to the Middle East since Israel's offensive in Gaza that started back in October. He's wrapped the first leg of his trip in Saudi Arabia, where he met Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman. The tour is seen as part of Washington's efforts to advance a potential hostage-prisoner exchange deal between Hamas and Israel and a possible humanitarian pause. Sarah Coates has more in Tel Aviv. According to the U.S. State Department, the pair discussed coordination to achieve an enduring end to the crisis in Gaza and also the building of a more integrated region. The United States would see this as a way to further isolate Iran and its proxies in the region and to provide Israel with greater security. But look, Saudi has been saying that it will not normalize ties with Israel unless Israel agrees to a path forward to a Palestinian state after this war. And that is certainly something that Israel has been firmly against. Blinken will travel to Cairo. He'll then go to Doha and then land here in Israel on Wednesday. And look, one of these other big uh, topics that he's set to discuss, according to the White House, is, of course, more aid into the Gaza Strip. But of course, in order to do this, there needs to be uh, a significant pause in fighting and this is something that Blinken is certainly hoping that he can convince Benjamin Netanyahu, the Prime Minister, to agree to, believing that if there is a significant pause in fighting then this could lead to a ceasefire. But look, this is also something that the Prime Minister is firmly against and it is something that he's really being pressured with by the far-right flank of his coalition. They are threatening to pull out of the government if Netanyahu makes a reckless deal which could see 
a ceasefire imposed in the Strip and also uh, this would be for the return of hostages in exchange for thousands of Palestinian prisoners. So certainly a, a tough trip for the U.S. Secretary of State. That was Sarah Coates on U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken's latest visit in the Middle East. Well, meantime, Israel says it's planning to extend its Gaza operations to the southernmost city of Rafah on the border with Egypt. The Israeli army has already driven more than a million Gaza residents into the area. Many are warning of the dire consequences for people living there. Akram al-Satari has more. As a matter of fact, some of the Palestinians who are already internally displaced people in Rafah area, who originally came from Gaza central area and from Khan Yunis area, are coming back or returning to whatever was left from their homes. There was some reports that the Palestinians are returning to Deir al-Balah area. Some of them are returning to Khan Yunis area, which is still announced as a battlefield. But they are coming back to Khan Yunis. In Rafah, there were some attacks. Those attacks are indicative of something that is looming. A ground operation that is starting small with an objective of just continuing in Rafah and finding whatever was stated as a target by the Israeli uh, occupation uh, army. The Palestinians have been witnessing and have been waiting for this ground operation and they believe it is already imminent. After destroying the borderline, the Palestinians would be crossing towards the Sinai and by that Israel would have achieved one of the strategic objectives that were, uh, that were already uh, stated by some of their even cabinet members when they were saying that there is no place that is safe for the people of Gaza except for Sinai and that Egypt should be shouldering the responsibility of looking after the Palestinians and from that particular area the Palestinians should be moving towards other countries, be them uh, countries of Europe or United States or even some African countries that has been stated and that has been circulated and the people have been expecting. That was Akram Al-Satari reporting. Coming up, deadly forest fires in Chile. The world is about to change. Warriors, assassins, fair maidens, court officials, and even emperors and heavenly immortals are nothing but pawns on a giant chessboard. Xu Feng Nian, a playboy of national notoriety and heir to the empire's second most powerful man, finds himself embroiled in the depths of an unbeatable game. CGTN Radio invites you to immerse in a world brimming with heroism and follow a young man's odyssey in the audio drama series, The Sword Strider Saga. Now available on radio.cgtn.com and all the major podcast platforms. When courage meets wisdom, the sword scribes an immortal legend. At 19 minutes past the hour, forest fires in Chile have killed over 120 people so far and raised entire neighborhoods. President Gabriel Boric says the country faces a tragedy of great magnitude. Chile is observing two days of national mourning, uh, with the search continuing for the missing. The infernos have caused devastation in multiple regions, including Valparaiso, which is home to more than a million people. Uh, Siobhan McCall has details. Firefighters are struggling to contain the intensifying blazes, with hundreds still raging across the country. The fires gathered momentum late last week. Several coastal cities, popular with tourists, choked with smoke. Officials say it's Chile's deadliest forest fire on record, 
and the president has declared a state of emergency. Entire neighborhoods have been left destroyed, houses and possessions scorched. This was my kitchen. I had my washing machine there too. This was the bathroom. This is where the shower would have been, the toilet. Here was the bedroom. There another bedroom. This was my living room, dining room. This botanical garden in Vineyard del Mar was one of the main attractions in the city. It was destroyed in the blaze, four people killed as flames swept through. The fire was too fast. We never thought it would reach the botanical garden and it would devastate this whole area in such a catastrophic way because it was hell. I heard about it and I ran and ran. I got all the way down here and you couldn't go down because it was a thousand degrees. I could not go down. I want to save them, but I couldn't. Blazes have spread as Chile battles a summer heat wave. An El Nino climate pattern has caused high temperatures and triggered forest fires in several Latin American countries. But officials also fear the fires could have been started deliberately. It's hard to think there are such horrible and heartless people who could be able to inflict so much pain. But if these people exist, we will search for them. We will find them, and they will have to face not only the entire society's rejection, but also the law. It's Chile's worst disaster since an earthquake killed more than 500 people in 2010. And with hundreds of people still missing, rescuers fear the death toll will rise further as they reach the most heavily affected areas. That was Siobhan McCall on the wildfires in Chile. Heavy winds and strong rain driven by an atmospheric river are pummeling California. In the state's north, the storm down trees caused flooding and cut off power. Uh, the south is bracing for these storms until Wednesday. Mark Neal reports from Redwood City, California. I'm here in Northern California in Redwood City, which is part of Silicon Valley. You can get a sense of the power of the winds that people were facing over the past few days. Rare hurricane force winds hitting 70 miles per hour or 110 kilometers per hour and uh, road conditions were horrendous. Southern California hit extra hard uh, with two storms hitting the area pretty much in consecutive days. Uh, both of those storms classified as atmospheric rivers. The Weather Service also warning of mudslides, particularly in Southern California, in the areas of Beverly Hills, and also uh, Malibu, Santa Monica Mountains, also facing that same threat in some of those areas, particularly Malibu. The perilous road conditions have actually forced the closure of schools. In Northern California, we're expecting better weather, some scattered showers maybe on Wednesday, but pretty much out of the clear, uh, at least for a week. Southern California, not the case though. Uh, the, the pressure, the, the weather pressure system here is expected to head down south and hit that area for yet another powerful storm. Uh, that is expected to hit Tuesday and Wednesday. So Southern California, still not out of the clear. That was Mark Neal reporting from Redwood City, California.
People in Turkey have uh, been commemorating the one-year anniversary of the magnitude 7.8 quake that struck the southeast of the country. The quake killed over 53,000 people, leaving hundreds of thousands homeless. A uh, One year on, housing remains a pressing concern for thousands in the region. Survivors are still enduring life in tents and low-cost container homes. The government's pledged to provide 75,000 houses within the next two months and aims for a total of 200,000 by year's end. Mihal Bardavid spoke to a family in Hatay who continue to grapple with the trauma. Adile Öksüz was fortunate to be awake when the earthquake struck Hatay a year ago. Had she and her family stepped outside just moments later, they might have ended up under the rubble. Adire vividly remembers the harrowing moments when the earth trembled beneath them. We came out barefoot. My son went out before me. I couldn't walk much. It felt like something lifted from under our feet. The ground moved. It dropped us. And that's how I felt like this. After finding temporary refuge in a tent, the Öksus family decided to move to their woodshed near a small field. Together, they gather fruit to sell at the local market in town. My husband leaves for the village early. If my husband doesn't work, we would go hungry here. He goes to the market, buys and sells goods, and I also go to help him. I walk there. It's a 15 to 20 minute walk, and my feet hurt. Besides, I have diabetes. It's been a year, and while some of the debris at their former home's location has been cleared, not all has been removed. What they hoped would be a temporary solution hasn't changed in a year. Their struggle for survival continues, with inadequate heating during winter. But even as the Oxus family waits for more support, here in Hatay, where shelter remains an issue, with thousands still waiting for the government to build safe housing, they say they are thankful to be alive. Mihail Bar-David on a Turkish family still reeling from the aftermath of the powerful earthquake one year ago. Well, just hours before the quake, the China search and rescue team traveled to uh, Turkey uh, to assist with local relief uh, efforts. Uh, Tenzi Yuan has uh, sat down with the captain of the operation, Wang Mo, for his reflections. As part of the China and search and rescue team, you and the team headed to Turkey to assist with the relief and rescue mission. What was it like? On February 6th, two strong earthquakes of about magnitude 7 occurred in Turkey. We reacted and responded quickly. On February 7th, we boarded a plane heading to the rescue site in Turkey. After arriving at the scene, we carried out emergency rescue and then together with local rescuers, we rescued six trapped people and carried out a lot of search and detection work. The team worked there for about 10 days and then completed the rescue mission assigned by the party's central committee and the state council, and then returned to China to make adjustments and prepare for the next mission. What are some of the memories still fresh in your mind? We were very, very busy for these 10 days of work. We carried out search and rescue as soon as we arrived. Of course, what touches me the most is that I got off the plane and arrived at the scene immediately. Because we got off the plane and arrived at the camp after 4 o'clock and were basically at the work site around 5 o'clock. At that time, we discovered a pregnant woman who was trapped and then we worked for more than 10 hours. When we crawled in and used an angle grinder and small tools to rescue the pregnant woman, at that scene, 
it was the most touching thing for an emergency responder to be able to rescue the survivor. That was Captain Wang Mua, who led a team of Chinese rescuers to help with post-earthquake relief work in Turkey. Well, a handful of centuries-old sponges from deep in the Caribbean are causing some scientists to uh, think human-caused climate change began sooner and has heated the world more than they thought. According to a study in Nature Climate Change, scientists analyzed six of the long-lived sponges for uh, growth records that document changes in water temperature, acidity, and carbon dioxide levels in the air. They calculate that uh, the world has already gone past the target of limiting global warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius since pre-industrial times. We're at 28 minutes past the hour. Beijing down to minus 5 on Tuesday evening. Wednesday, we'll see sunny skies. The high is 5 degrees. And Nanchang has a slight rainfall and plus 1 tonight. Tomorrow, some rain and snow with a high of 3. Uh, elsewhere in Asia, Islamabad's down to 5 this evening. Wednesday, will be sunny in 17. Vientiane's at 18 overnight. Uh, tomorrow, sunny in 35. Phnom Penh's 24 this evening, then sunny in 35. In Africa, Nairobi will see sunny skies with a high of 27 degrees on Wednesday. Kampala's at 20 overnight, then sunny in 29. Juba's 22 this evening, then sunny in 37. It's time for a short break. So far this hour, the Chinese and Norwegian foreign ministers have held talks in Beijing, touching on issues including multilateralism and free trade. The U.S. Secretary of State's in the Middle East for the fifth time since the start of the current conflict in Gaza. And forest fires in Chile have destroyed entire neighborhoods and killed at least 120 people. Shane Begum with you. Stay with us here on the Beijing Hour. Experience the musical classics of the East. Mingle with the masters of Chinese music. Music Talks. Witness the sound of antiquity and modernity. We all enter this world with a universal greeting. We then learn to speak. Though our languages, cultures, and traditions may differ, we still share one thing in common. We have hope for humanity and the world. An General Railway Company, Deutsche Director of the International Hear the difference with CGTN Radio. Join our global network to connect with the world. CGTN Radio. Hear the difference. I love you. 我爱你. This might be the easiest way to say I love you, since there are so many other romantic expressions. No matter if you are a rookie, 你好, or a sophisticated learner, 我来北京五年了, there is definitely something that will interest you. Check out Takeaway Chinese, a world that starts with 你好. Examining the events that impact and shape China and the rest of the world. This is the Beijing Hour, one hour of news and information brought to you every weekday. Now here's your host. Shane Begum with you on this Tuesday. Still to come. In business, global manufacturing activity edged up in January. In sports, Chinese diver captures their first individual title at the World Aquatics Championships. In culture and entertainment, Spring Festival in New York City. To contact us, you can email radio at cgtn.com or follow our X account, formerly Twitter, at cgtnradio. 
But first of all, with the day's headline news, here's Tian Lu. Thank you, Shane. Chinese Premier Li Qiang has said that strengthened cooperation between China and Britain not only serves the fundamental interests of both sides, but also contributes to world peace and prosperity. Premier Li sent a congratulatory message to the Icebreakers 2024 Chinese New Year celebration hosted by Britain's 48-group club. He called on visionary people from both sides to take action and make new contributions to friendship and mutually beneficial cooperation between China and Britain. China says it is willing to participate in global efforts to promote the ethics and governance of artificial intelligence so that it will benefit all mankind. China's Vice Minister of Education made the remarks at the second global forum held by UNESCO in Slovenia. Over 600 representatives from 67 countries have attended the forum. Fresh fighting has resumed in northern Gaza as Israeli troops step up assaults against Hamas. Israel says it will continue the ground offensive amid international calls and efforts for a ceasefire. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken is in the region for a fifth time since the start of the conflict, hoping to broker a truce. He has met Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman. His trip also includes stops in Egypt, Qatar, Israel and the West Bank. The head of the UN Refugee Agency has warned that Europe may face a new flow of Sudanese migrants due to the lingering conflict in the African country. Over 9 million people are internally displaced in Sudan and 1.5 million refugees have fled into neighboring countries since clashes between the Sudanese army and the Rapid Support Forces erupted in April last year. Filippo Grande issued the warning after visiting Sudan and Ethiopia, calling for an immediate ceasefire and strengthening relief efforts. The Europeans are always so worried about people coming across the Mediterranean. Well, I have a warning for them that if they don't support more refugees coming out of Sudan or even displaced people inside Sudan, we will see onward movements of people towards Libya, Tunisia and across the Mediterranean. Grandi also emphasized the importance of not overlooking crises in places like Sudan amid global attention on conflicts in Ukraine and Gaza. Gaza is a tragedy. It needs a lot of attention and resources. But it cannot be at the expense of uh, another big crisis like Sudan, which, by the way, is very near Gaza. The United Nations says Sudan's conflict has killed at least 12,000 people, although local doctors' groups say the true number is far higher. Buckingham Palace says King Charles III has cancer. The diagnosis comes shortly after the 75-year-old monarch was treated for an enlarged prostate. The monarch has been advised by doctors to pause any public duties. Protesters have marred the celebrations in New Zealand, marking the day the nation's founding treaty was signed in 1840. Around 600 protesters marched to the town of Waitangi, angry at proposed government policies that threaten indigenous rights. Prime Minister Christopher Luxon's centre-right coalition plans to review the principles of the Treaty of Waitangi, raising fears over rollback of Maori rights. The protest is the biggest in at least 30 years. Critics say the government's moves are the most significant step backward for Maori rights in decades, and some have taken legal action against the government to stop the policy changes. 
Kazakhstan's ruling party has nominated Ozas Bektanov as the country's prime minister. He has been serving as the head of the presidential administration. Kazakh President Kasim Jomat Tokayev accepted the previous government's resignation on Monday. He then named the deputy prime minister Roman Sklaya as acting prime minister. Tokayev's office did not specify why the cabinet had resigned. The president has recently been calling for reforms to attract foreign investment. Russian cosmonaut Oleg Kononenko has broken a world record for spending the most cumulative time in space. The 59-year-old has now spent 878 days and 12 hours in space. That's half an hour longer than the previous record set by his fellow Russian Gennady Padelka in 2015. Kononenko has made five journeys to the International Space Station since 2008, with the latest beginning in September 2023. The Cosmonaut is expected to become the first person to accumulate 1,000 days in space by the end of his current expedition. Thank you very much. That was Tian Lu with Headline News. This is Shane Begum in the Chinese capital. Coming up in business, global manufacturing activity edged up in January. You're listening to the Beijing Hour. 60 minutes of comprehensive news. Your window on China and the world. 36 past the hour now. Turning to business news, here's Do Hongyu. Thank you, Shane. And we start with the equity market. The Chinese mainland markets closed higher on Tuesday. Timothy Pope has more. Uh, the Shanghai Composite Index was up 3.2%. The Shenzhen component rose 6.2%. Just about every sector traded higher with healthcare, materials and industrial stocks uh, very firmly in the lead. So uh, we're looking at why the sudden jump after the recent pretty abysmal performance. There was uh, some pretty firm action by the regulators that will effectively shut down short selling. Brokerages are no longer allowed to borrow shares and then lend them on. This is called securities refinancing and uh, it's a cornerstone of the shorting market. No new refinancing deals will be allowed and the existing ones will be gradually wound up. The regulator was also using uh, some fairly strong language referring to short sellers, calling, uh, calling the practice malicious and uh, saying that anyone who goes against the new regulations will uh, lose their shirt and rot in jail. Uh, combined with this, uh, there was also continued strong buying from the national team of investors. That was Timothy Pope in Shanghai. In Hong Kong, the Hang Seng Index gained more than 4%. In Japan, the Nikkei dropped over 0.5%. Data by the China Federation of Logistics and Purchasing shows that global manufacturing activity edged up in January. The global PMI rose 1.3 points to 49.3, the highest reading since March 2023. The Federation says the sector's stronger recovery helps lift expectations for the global economy. It also identified eased inflation and rising expectations for rate cuts as positive factors that would contribute to the global economy. For more on the latest global PMI figure, Michelle Vandenberg spoke with Liu Zhuqing, a senior fellow with Renmin University of China. Could you first uh, break down the January global manufacturing PMI data? What can we learn from that? I think we can learn a lot from the data released today from the global PMI index. We can see that the figure is quite positive and satisfactory. Even it only has 49.3%, but it has already increased by 1.3% compared to the previous month. If 
because this uh, tendency has uh, shows that uh, already that the suspended the jobs uh, trend in the last uh, nine months because in the last uh, nine months that all this uh, PMI always remain very low under the margin of the market. So this is a very positive signal to the world, especially for this uh, data. If we can break down, we can see a lot of differences, especially for the Asian market. PMI Asian market are already over 50%. This is a very important signal that to the global market. That, uh, that means the Asian market is still the major driving for the world economic recovery. Of course, the other areas, for instance, Europe and Africa are still remain under margin, but uh, we still see that the good opportunities for this market could be catch up for a better performance this year. That was Liu Zhiqing, a senior fellow with Renmin University of China, talking about the latest global PMI figure. The Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development says global GDP growth will ease to 2.9% in 2024 from 3.1% last year. The OECD report added that the growth will recover to 3% next year as financial conditions get better. The report concluded that Asia is likely to continue its role as the major contributor to global growth in 2024 and 25, as it has been in the past year. The Chinese Commerce Ministry says the country will introduce a raft of measures to boost consumer spending this year. According to the ministry, automobiles, household appliances and home furnishings are the focus of traditional consumption. The measures include promoting vehicle tradings. Car ownership has reached 340 million in China, ranking first in the world. The authorities will also encourage the renovation of old houses and the replacement of home appliances to bolster demand. China's Commerce Ministry also says the country's consumer market is operating smoothly with stable food prices and ample supply as the Chinese New Year approaches. Vice Minister Sheng Chiuping says large-scale wholesale markets across the country have abundant stock of essential food items. Key wholesale markets and supermarkets have increased their inventory levels of daily necessities by 10 to 30 percent compared with ordinary times. Major e-commerce platforms will guarantee uninterrupted delivery services during the Spring Festival holiday. With the festive atmosphere growing, shopping malls, supermarkets and online platforms have witnessed a peak in sales. The ministry launched a one-month-long online shopping festival on January 18th. In late January, the key retailers monitored by the ministry reported nearly 20% monthly growth in sales. Last month, national online retail sales increased by 20% on a yearly basis. Young South Africans are latching onto the model of buy now, pay later as they try to stretch their incomes without falling deeper into debt. This allows for interest-free payments for goods over several weeks or months. Najma Abdirizak reports. Payflex has amassed over 700,000 customers, seeing its sales jump up to 250-fold in just a few years. The South African Buy Now, Pay Later platform took off during the COVID-19 pandemic as customers tried to balance their income against the rising cost of living. If a customer is wanting to buy a product but they don't have the full value uh, you know, in their bank account, if they can't pay it up front, 
um, what we will do is if the customer qualifies we'll allow them to purchase that product but pay an initial installment and um, then every a uh, couple of weeks will then collect the remaining installments from them every over a six week period. The buy now pay later concept has mostly become popular among Gen Z's and millennials. Their purchases ranging from apparels, electronics to appliances, which are mainly sold through e-commerce platforms. It's it's not just because they tech savvy, it's because they're actually looking for other credit um, and they've become used to the fact that, you know, I don't have to pay any banking fees or, or finance fees. I don't have to go through this whole rigmarole of going to a bank for, you know, for a small loan. There's been concern, however, that penalties from missed payments could drive up debt levels. With the default rates low, customers tend to spend more when payments are split. If you look at some of our customer base from back in 2019, those customers are still with us because it benefits the merchant as well at, at the end of the day because they're getting higher turnover of product, um, they're getting what we refer to as increased basket sizes. Float is one of the fintech startups now trying to keep customers' debt levels in check. Unlike conventional buy now pay later services, the startup leverages existing credit cards for purchases. We let shoppers buy now and pay over up to 24 months using any Visa MasterCard credit card. We don't charge any interest or fees. The customer's got to settle their credit card eventually. All it's doing is, is buying them time and sort of helping them to be disciplined and responsible in those monthly repayments. And as more and more retailers now jump on board, the buy now pay later model is expected to grow north of 25% over the next few years in line with global trends. That was Najma Abdirizank reporting. Finally, let's get back to China. Beijing Capital International Airport and Beijing Daxing International Airport have created a more convenient payment experience for foreign visitors. Both airports have launched a payment service zone to meet various payment requirements of foreigners, which include shopping, dining and transactions using foreign bank cards, mobile payments, cash and digital yuan. Currently, there are five banking outlets, seven currency exchange counters, over 20 ATMs, and one currency exchange machine in the two airports. Foreign bank cards are accepted by most businesses in the airports. All right, thank you very much. That was Do Hongyu with Business. You're listening to the Beijing Hour. Coming up in sports, so we have uh, a Chinese champion at the aquatics. Sideline Story brings you all things sports-related. The hottest topics, latest events, juiciest stories, all with a very personal take. Subscribe to Sideline Story Podcast for heated sports discussions covering events that are happening in China and around the world. The Beijing Hour. The Beijing Hour. The Beijing Hour brings you an hour of comprehensive news and information from both China China. and the rest of the world. world. A mix of news, sports and entertainment, in-depth analysis of the day's big stories, as well as the most comprehensive business of the day. The Beijing Beijing Hour, your very own window to China and the rest of the world. 
At uh, 47 minutes past the hour now, turning to sports, here's Yang Guang. Thank you, Shane. At the World Aquatics Championships, reigning Olympic champion Chen Hongchan gave herself a huge boost of momentum heading into the Paris Games by winning the women's 10-meter platform. The 16-year-old edged the teammates Chen Yuxi by more than eight points over five dives. No one else was even close to the Chinese duo. With the victory, Chuan has now claimed individual titles across the Olympics, Asian Games, and World Championships. China dominated day four of the World in Doha with the diving triumph, augmented by a pair of victories in artistic swimming. Twins Wang Liuyi and Wang Qianyi won women's duet technical routine. The 27-year-old sisters beat a pair from Britain, and coach Wang Jiuli says she's happy with their performance. They performed very good today, and I am very satisfied as their performance was better than in the preliminaries. Their physical exertion was a bit high because they competed in the team event in the morning, but I think their performance in the afternoon was really good. Meanwhile, Yang Xuancheng took the gold medal in men's solo technical. China sent a scaled-back team to Doha with the Olympics just five months away, but still won three of the first six events. Turning to the English Premier League, Manchester City has boosted its chances in the title race after a comeback victory at Brentford. Phil Foden grabbed the spotlight from superstars Erling Haaland and Kevin De Bruyne by scoring a hat-trick in the 3-1 win that moved the City two points behind leaders Liverpool. Manager Pep Guardiola says Foden is playing his best season. I think Phil is playing, I said, two weeks ago, the most influencing season on the team in terms of goals, assists, and reading really well the game, how he play simple, how he be more aggressive. Always had the he has the pleasure to score a goals and the threat when he's close to it. The air box always is there. Think of a runner, how he runs for the team. So he's an exceptional, exceptional player. City also has a game in hand and could use it to top the table. The four goals in Monday's game also mean a new record for the most goals scored across a single Premier League weekend with 45. Lionel Messi says he's not sure he will play in Wednesday's friendly in Tokyo with Inter Miami after a public relations disaster in Hong Kong. Argentina's World Cup winning captain sat on the bench for the entire match against the selection of players from the Hong Kong League on Sunday, angering thousands of fans who demanded refunds. Messi tried to explain to Hong Kong fans, saying he had discomfort after recovering from a groin injury. The superstar said he hopes to visit Hong Kong again and play there. Messi's absence in the exhibition game drew criticism from Hong Kong officials, who requested Messi and his team apologize. Reports say the contract signed between the Hong Kong SAR government and the match organizers required Messi to play for at least 45 minutes, subject to safety and fitness concerns. Inter-Miami plays Japanese side Viso Kobe on Wednesday for its last leg of the Asian Tour. In Formula 1, the stake F1 team, formerly known as Alfa Romeo, unveiled their new C44 car featuring black and fluo racing green livery. Chinese driver Zhou Guanyu says he looks forward to racing in the new vehicle, especially in his home country for the first time. Quite exciting because I was remember I was at dinner table eight o'clock. That was where the ticket was sell, selling, and then people were just texting me like, "I think my grandstand being sold out in four minutes." Reality, the first ten minutes because the the app was uh, shutting down by too many users. So <laughs> try to buy the tickets. So it's it's great news I think, especially for for China after being let's say coming back after five season 
and just to see the whole audience, how much it's been growing, has been built over the last past few years. Zhou will become the first Chinese driver to race at the Shanghai Grand Prix in April. Stake F1's new car will have its shakedown in Barcelona on Friday before testing in Bahrain. Emma Raducanu has taken another solid step in her return to tennis as she beat Marie Buskova in the first round of the Abu Dhabi Open. Raducanu is a wild card at this year's edition. The 21-year-old, who recently returned from an eight-month injury layoff, took a rather easy victory, 6-4-6-1. In the beginning, I was just adjusting to the speed of the court. I hadn't played on this court this year yet, so I was kind of just adjusting. It was pretty quick and also a lot more still than it had been. Um, for the week because it's been very windy, so it's a different tempo. But um, I cleaned that up, so I'm very happy about that. And um, yeah, very happy to be back in Abu Dhabi. Radu Kano will face second seed on Stibert in the second round. And finally, Rafael Nadal, Novak Djokovic, Carlos Alcaraz and new Australian Open champion Yannick Sinner are slated to participate in an exhibition event in Saudi Arabia in October. Daniil Medvedev and Hugo Runa are the other players involved in what is being touted as the six-king slalom in Riyadh. Saudi Arabia has weighed in on its tennis influence over the years. The Saudi Tennis Federation recently announced Nadal as its ambassador. The ATP Men's Tour has also moved its annual tournament for leading players who are 21 and under to Jeddah. The WTA Women's Tour is in negotiations to put its season-ending championship in Saudi Arabia as well. All right, thank you very much. That was Yang Guang with sports. Coming up in Culture and Entertainment, Spring Festival in New York City. Ever wondered what's actually going on in Africa through the perspective of an African? How are things really going between China and Africa? What's the narrative of this relationship? Well, get a perspective with China-Africa Talk. Hear from African diplomats, entrepreneurs, academics, Chinese natives, and more. Get on our wavelength every week to find out what's real with China-Africa Talk. Find us on your favorite podcast. We'll see you there. 53 minutes past the hour, turning to culture and entertainment. Well, as the Chinese New Year approaches, New York City is once again going all out with festive events. A huge parade will take place in Chinatown, featuring traditional dancing and performances. Jody Jacobs has more. It's the time for opportunity and the year of the Chinese dragon. Preparations are well underway here in New York's Chinatown ahead of the Chinese Lunar New Year. It's a spring festival, the start of a new year according to the ancient traditional Chinese solar calendar. Thanks to its thriving East Asian population, New York City will once again host an abundance of events to celebrate the new year, like lion dances, parades, firecrackers and of course delicious food. Several events are being planned across the city and already on these bustling streets where mud and canal intersect in New York's Chinatown, decorations have gone up ahead of the big festival. It's also a year where the annual 25th year celebration of the Lunar New Year Festival and Parade will take place. We have the firecracker ceremony at February the 10th, the Lunar New Year, the first day of the year. And then uh, we have Super Saturday, what we call. It's, it will be the February 17th and it's spontaneous. It's amazing because lion dance troops around New York City or even uh, down in all five bureaus will join us in Chinatown and they will have performance all day long. Happy New Year! 
One such event has already kicked off in New York. In Long Island City, a neighborhood in the borough of Queens, the Chinese community launched the annual celebration. Several restaurants around New York City will also be offering a variety of different Chinese culinary delights, like this restaurant, Milu, where Chef Connie Chung has been hard at work preparing a dragon-inspired dish. There's just the dishes that you like have to have at Chinese New Year to celebrate. I mean, it's to me, it's kind of like what Thanksgiving is in America, where you just like have those dishes and you always have them that one time of year, and it just makes it feel so much more special and festive. As one of China's most important festivals, the Lunar New Year Festival not only carries the ideas of peace and harmony valued by the Chinese people, but also the common values of humanity like family, social inclusion and the sound relationship between man and nature. And this year will be no different. That was Jody Jacobs in New York City. Well, Beijing's decorated its major thoroughfare, Chang'an Avenue, which passes through Tiananmen Square with over 240 red lanterns and Chinese knots to celebrate the upcoming Spring Festival. The capital says it reused the lanterns, knots, and string lights from last year for frugality and environmental reasons. Uh, Beijing's become a city of lanterns. It's adorned with more than 250,000 of them and various decorations for its uh, main streets and alleys. The city will also organize temple fairs, lantern fairs, and other celebratory activities during the festival. Han Han's latest car racing comedy, Pegasus 2, premiered in Beijing ahead of a spring festival release. He <laughs> tells the story of a former rally driving champion, now down on his luck, and how he finds new, uh, a new partner to re-enter a famed rally race. Uh, Shen Tung continues his role as the professional driver and revealed at the premiere that uh, he was convinced by the director to rejoin the cast while he was still recovering from a surgery. The film's predecessor fetched 1.7 billion yuan, or 240 million U.S. dollars in ticket sales back in 2019. Stats show an average of nearly 17 million viewers tuned in to see performances at the Grammy Awards on Sunday, the largest audience for that telecast in four years. Well, ratings were up 34% from last year across various digital platforms. Chinese pianist uh, Wang Yujia took the best classical instrumental solo prize, one of the leading classical categories. Uh, she won for her performance on the album The American Project, which she recorded with the Louisville Orchestra. Wang's the first Chinese artist to win the award. Uh, she has four previous Grammy nominations. Taylor Swift won the Grammy for Album of the Year, making her the only artist to win the Top Music Industry Prize four times. Uh, Swift swept the honor for her uh, pop album Midnights uh, at a ceremony dominated by women musicians. We're at 58 past the hour, Beijing down to minus 5 on Tuesday evening. Wednesday will be sunny with a high of plus 5. Nanchung has a slight rainfall in one overnight. Uh, tomorrow is getting some rain and snow with a high of 3. Elsewhere in Asia, Islamabad's at uh, 5 this evening. Wednesday, sunny and 17. Vientiane's at 18 this evening, then sunny and 35. Phnom Penh's down to 24 then sunny in 35. In Africa, Nairobi will see sunny conditions in 27 degrees on Wednesday. Kampala is at 20 overnight, then sunny in 29. Juba is down to 22, and then sunny in 37. Finally, to Oceania, Port Vila is 25 this evening, then rainfall in 30. Apia will have uh, rain on Wednesday with a high of 30 degrees Celsius.
And that's it for this edition of the Beijing Hour. Making news today, the Chinese and Norwegian foreign ministers have held talks in Beijing touching on issues including multilateralism and free trade. The U.S. Secretary of State is back in the Middle East for the fifth time since the start of the current conflict in Gaza. On behalf of the staff, Shane Bigham in the Chinese capital, hoping you'll join us for the next edition of the Beijing Hour and open a window to the world together. Takeaway Chinese, where you can take some Chinese away and experience progress day by day. Takeaway Chinese, we will promise you a difference. Welcome to Roundtable, coming to you live from Beijing. From Beijing. Roundtable. 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 Connecting China and the world. We bring you fun and timely discussions about what's affecting our lives everywhere, every day. Tune in to Roundtable, where the East meets the West, and understanding is the goal. From North to South, East to West, People in China are chasing their dreams and leaving their mark. Want to know how they beat the odds and made a difference? Footprints brings you the true life stories of their journeys. 